Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, before we get the show started, I wanted to let you know we are giving away a bunch of brand new black magic gear. Yeah, cameras, switchers, DaVinci Resolve licenses, a bunch of awesome stuff. So stay tuned to learn how you can enter to win free gear from Black Magic, and we're going to tell you all about it later on in this episode. Now cue the music. Hey guys, welcome to the 93rd episode of Just Shoot It, a podcast about filmmaking, storytelling, and directing. I'm Oren Kaplan. And I'm Matt Enloe. Today we've got Carlin Hudson back on the podcast. She's going to talk to us about her second year in Los Angeles. Uh, she's made a ton of huge strides and uh, big leaps, and I think it'll be interesting for people who are curious about what her roadmap was in particular, and also her roadmap in particular. I think it's kind of a textbook version of what you can expect from a, a director who's got a solid body of work under her belt, but also is looking to kind of make it make it in Los Angeles, what that second year looks like. Yeah, we had a really good chat with her. We debated a lot of things, uh, and we also answered some listener questions. So stay tuned, and we hope you enjoy the show. Um, but before we get to our talk with Carlin, we are going to read an iTunes review. We love reviews. As we've mentioned many times, if you want thousands of people to hear about your opinion, your project, anything, write a review for us, and we will read it on the podcast. So this review comes from Lionel K. He says, thoughtful filmmaking podcast from two working directors. Another listener fooled. An excellent podcast from two directors working hard in Hollywood. Orrin and Matt do a great job of letting us into their world by sharing their experiences, processes, aspirations, and occasional anxieties. The guests are excellent. I always get a lot out of this podcast, and I'm sure you will too. This is an unpaid endorsement. Unpaid endorsement. Proof that Lionel has listened to an episode all the way till the end hey well done thanks lionel um we really appreciate it and it really helps the show grow so thanks for sending us that wonderful review yeah i think i've heard we've gotten feedback a lot of times that like our troubles in the job are just as interesting as like our successes so i think hopefully hopefully we're giving people a, an accurate picture yeah. of what it's like to be a filmmaker in uh, la highs and lows guys highs and lows yeah. Um, Oren, do you remember that uh, on a recent episode, we both pledged to uh, rate or to leave an iTunes review ourselves onto a different podcast? <laughs> I do remember that. Um, and you're laughing because you had such a good time. You just went hog wild and you reviewed a bunch of different podcasts. That's what I'm picking up on, right? Yeah. What's, well, what's crazy is like I wanted really meaningful reviews. So I just started doing like a lot of research on the podcast makers of the podcast that of, I wanted to review and 
I'm still kind of, you know, in the middle of a few drafts of reviews. So. Sure, sure, yeah. I haven't yeah. posted them yet, but I'm going to post them very soon. I'm waiting for notes on mine as well. Yeah, so <laughs> I guess that's a way of me saying next episode. Yes. We're definitely going to do it. Uh, and also, I guess we get... I get it. You know, it feels weird. You're never like listening to a. Yeah, you're listening. You're driving you're in your driving car right now. Car. You're listening to this podcast. You're hitting the skip forward 15 seconds because I don't want to hear Matt and Oren talking about iTunes reviews. Keep your hands on the wheel, guys. Um, we get it, but also it'd be really helpful. So thanks, guys. Yes. Uh, let's uh, have our conversation with Carlin. Hey, guys. We are here with Carlin Hudson, our friend slash former guest slash director uh and, and this how is many episodes that is order? this for you <laughs> this is my second is that is that only your second yeah yeah but we've oh carlin is in a director's <laughs> group with us so yeah <laughs> yeah i guess i see you more than most of the time i just see people on the podcast or i, I we I even know. have coffee and we live down that's the street true. from each other that's true i think you've come to some of matt's parties if you want to meet uh the movers and the shakers in la go to one of matt's parties there you go guys or a party. Or a, any party. <laughs> any party. Or just move to LA. Yeah. You guys have seen La La Land, right? It's all like that. Uh, I was watching this thing on... Have you heard of Film Courage on YouTube? Mm-mm. It's like a channel that has like 42 tips to make your script not suck or whatever <laughs> from professional Send writers. Send it my way. Um, a lot of them talked about like, like that moving to LA is a transition that's like a part of your career. So Carlin, for the newer listeners, when you were on last time you... Had kind of recently moved here from Austin, mm-hmm. Texas, and how's it going? How's LA treating you? It'll be two years in February, right? Yeah, full full time two years in February because I split my time at first. Mm-hmm. So I call you, I might even cross call it two. I, in. I did. I, I hardcore crossfaded <laughs> in. I was slow to leave Austin. It's just hard to leave a town when you're when you're like a big fish in a small pond and everyone knows you. And I had a career there, and it, it's been. Uh, I, I lo- I'm starting to love LA, which is great. Yeah, two years, right? That's what it takes. To I like say LA. three. I say three. I think three because I'm I, I call it two and a half since <laughs> I like lived. But um, you know, I'm still meeting people. I'm I still I don't have the same number of contacts here. I'm not working sure. as steadily here yet. So it's been you know it has going been to, easy going to college in a town and then sticking around and building your career there there are distinct advantages to yeah. that for sure just yeah. like you know growing up with people basically mm-hmm. um those bonds are hard to reestablish when you move for sure yeah but it's kind of like I, but i was in austin you know over the break and kind of came to the realization i was like part of me misses it but i'm like what would i be doing in austin the same shit i was doing when I live there, but I want to do more. So you move. So right. it's like anytime I get sort of like r- romanticize my career in Austin, I'm like, well, this is what I have to do. And it's uncomfortable at times, but it's for the best. And not to mention that you could easily do a job in Austin. This past year, I've been kind of out of the loop with that. Because I've been up for jobs in LA and not as many in Austin, which was strange. Because I think last time you, you were on the show, you were in that situation where you were getting more jobs than ever in austin because Mm -hmm. now like you were a little like fancier right totally right it's like our our austin director is now in la but she'll do us a favor if it's the right fit the right project she'll come back for it totally but now it's a little bit i just i used to get lots of little directing jobs just kind of like random Mm -hmm. right whatever shoot this thing on thursday yeah and now i'm not getting those calls anymore and so i've directed less 
stuff this year because of that mm-hmm. this past year 2017 yeah. but that is do you think Matt especially if you're doing commercials which is a lot mm-hmm. of what you do Carlin um, like the more professional you get the less shooting days you have maybe so and like I do I do feel like I've leveled up to some degree and I've you know I've been up against you guys for jobs and it's like great to be at that level but at the same time, I'm like, oh, yeah, where are those little one-day jobs where I get paid like a yeah. thousand bucks to show up and do nothing? And, you know, right, I, don't, right. I don't get those anymore. You know, it's funny. I don't think that I'm getting them as much either. And I wonder if maybe part of it is that the business is – that part of the business is fading away a little bit. You know? Mm-hmm. I think that companies are consolidating or – maybe uh that experimentation phase for like brands where like it's like oh should we try some branded content mm-hmm. now they're like yes and it's getting more expensive i don't know, you know if it's like that here but in austin what was the term what was happening was i was losing out jobs to dp directors mm-hmm. left and right, right. Yeah. and i don't person that has their own sure. camera yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah they pay that person you know rate and a half and yeah. then they're saving half a rate or yeah. just one rate or just one rate woof yeah, right. and they have a camera, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, and I they think can direct well enough, you know. Yeah. Just throwing out a random theory that I haven't thought about at all, but do you think there is like, you know how there's always this like growing disparity between the rich and the poor? Like, it seems like what you're saying, Matt, there's, there's really small projects and there's bigger projects, but that middle ground is kind of faded away. Like, people aren't making that like $30,000 video anymore, you know? Yeah, yeah, I mean, I think that's true certainly for music videos mm-hmm. right no, but even like a like a small startup is wants to make a video I made for a their ton app of thirty thousand dollar yeah yeah like spots. little or regional mm-hmm. things or something local or like hey my you know my grandma has like this business that she wants a commercial for yeah i mean i i think probably a little bit and i think also we're just kind of you know our rates are too high now basically but right? it's funny because like how there's times did, when i'm like i'll do it you know sure I mean? sure <laughs> but like candidly how much were you making on a thirty thousand dollar spot ten percent yeah well yeah there you go because mm-hmm. i feel like i could imagine a world where someone's like yo it's only we only got thirty thousand we only got fifty thousand and they pay you less than ten percent for sure yeah and then it's like when you're young and hungry you're like yeah for sure and certainly you know if it's a slow season and you're not doing anything and you haven't been on set in a while, you say yes to that stuff. But I think that mm-hmm. people tend to ask us a little bit more because we're up for bigger, better jobs. Yeah. You yeah. Know? It's funny. Like people are like, why are you doing so well in LA? And you're almost like, I'm doing fine. <laughs> I'm doing, I really, I feel like I'm doing fine, but it's like, it's amazing what social media does. And like, you can put forth this, sure. this image. image of yourself, which is not, I'm like, I get rejected all the time. You know, I yeah, can't sure. tell you how many but times they're rejected. Things. For better but things. for better things, that's yeah. true. Yeah. yeah. My, my wife is always telling me that I need to like work on my Instagram account to put out like this, like to give people an idea of what I'm interested in, what I do. And, you know, Blake and I, our, our friend, we always talk about how you and Matt Pollock, Matt Enloe and Matt Pollock are really good at Instagramming like set photos, you know? Mm-hmm. Peter Tensio, Key and Peel. Yeah. That dude is the best at it. I have to follow him. He, it's like, it's a real treat. Hmm. Yeah. Like yeah, especially almost, when you're doing sketch comedy and it's yeah. like people are doing crazy costumes and stuff yeah. all the time. It's almost yeah. worth like taking like 10 awesome photos on set and releasing them like one a week, right? <laughs> Until yeah. you get your next yeah. gig so that it I looks know. like you're busy. It, there is this really weird thing yes. in Hollywood that people want to book people that are working. 
Yeah, a friend of mine was like uh, talking about wanting this writing job and was like, they know I need a job. I'm like, and that is why you're not getting (laughs) it. Exactly. You have to act like you don't need the job. Yeah. The worst answer to an interview question of like, what have you been working on lately is, well, you know, it's been kind of slow, so I'm really hoping (laughs) I get this job. It's so funny. I feel like I'm so spacey. Like I could literally have just wrapped something incredible like two days prior. And if I'm interviewing for a job, I'll be like, ah, you know, it's uh, it's been cool. Some things have been good. I will say I'm in this zone right now where I'm working on like four different things. And because of that, I kind of feel like I'm not working on anything. You know? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, and Matt has like a hundred projects. You probably have a bunch of things going too. But it's like, it's it's, it's just, hard I, to... I wrote some stuff. It's so much easier yeah. to be like, I'm on an average Netflix show and we're, yes. and we're writing every day. You know? Is that something like tangible that you can understand really easily rather than like, I'm developing six things yeah, and yeah. pitching two. And- yeah. yeah. Well, so you got a new manager recently. Yes. November. November. So kind of... So pretty recent. Pretty recent. <clears throat> At the I end of the year. So recent. Yeah. As everything's wrapping up, mm-hmm. you got some representation. Yeah, I mean, I, it seems like it's going well. I, I, it was one of those meetings with her. Her name's Corinne at Rain Management Group. And um, it was just one of those meetings where I was like, oh, she really gets me. Like, she understands the kind of stuff I want to make. She, you know, seems to dig my stuff. And, like, I don't know. It was really, it was really cool. How yeah. did you meet Corinne? So I have a friend who's in development at Berlanti Picture Productions. You know, Berlanti is. Yeah, he does all the CW yeah, shows. Yeah, like, Ber- they do Riverdale, actually. And, um, the Flash, Arrow. Yeah, tons of stuff. And Pan, the, mm-hmm. the hit movie Pan. Um, yeah. <laughs> and the big, whatever, production company. And uh, he was kind of like, you don't have a manager yet? And I was like, no, I haven't really sought one out. And he was like, okay, you're going to get a manager. And so he set me up on all these meetings. Oh, cool. Oh, it was crazy. Yeah. He, I think he worked on a, I think he was like a, some did I was on a desk at ICM Got or it. something. So he has a relationship people. with those people. Yes. Yeah. So I had all these meetings that so he set up. Were you privy to what he sent those managers to set up the meetings? Not really. I sent him some stuff, but I don't quite know what he sent. Like, did he send them your website? Do you think? I think he sent them like my website, but also, um, I feel like I need to do redo my website, frankly, but um, sort of like specific links and. Mm-hmm. Maybe yeah, a little kind of explanation. Like, I wonder. I think that maybe at a certain point, it, it starts looking unprofessional again to have a website. You know, studio level, basically. Like none of those fuckers are like on Squarespace. You know what I mean? If right. they've got a website, it's like much more about their personal brand and like. Like if you go on the Soderberg Soderberg's website, it's awesome. Well, but it's like we like set diaries and like uh, auctioning photos, and he has like. He's you know. he's selling things on his website. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <sighs> Bums me out. <laughs> well, <laughs> they're super cool income. though. It's they're all exposure tests. So oh. it's like he'll have like a Polaroid from something, and it's super dope. <laughs> and I went, okay, I do want to buy one, yeah. but it still bumps me out. <laughs> yeah, and you're like, oh man, I wish we had to do exposure tests, <laughs> yeah. right? Like, Shit. Uh, but you know, commercial directors all have like you yeah, know the yeah, biggest yeah, that's commercial true. directors. That's true. Whether it's their own site or the production company's site. I mean, the biggest commercial directors usually own the production company, so it's right. kind of their site anyway. Right. Um, and since we all deal with that, we need the sites. Oh, yeah, it helps. But, you know, the for your manager is like theatrical, right? Or like TV, yeah. film, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, digital. I don't, I don't think that those guys tend to have narrative. Right. That, that's the IMDb page, right? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. I do go to meetings, you know, when they're like, oh, he watched your movie. I'm like, what? 
they send you my feature, you know. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. I have no idea what they send people. Boy, being in development, they have, those fuckers have so much homework. Yes. I, and watching usually, and reading constantly. Usually I'm like, you didn't watch my feature. So this one guy, I was like, oh, cool. What's your favorite part? I was just so done. <laughs> I was like, this is so stupid. <clears throat> he went on like a rom-com. He's like, so you have rom-coms? And I was like, no, I don't have rom-coms. Like, why am I here? You know? And he was like... And I and I said, you know, what was your favorite part? And he named, he's like, well, in the beginning, when mm-hmm. the guy did the segue, and I was like, uh-huh, what else did you like? <laughs> and he, he, then he named, like, other parts, and he, it was oh, clear he watched good. the whole thing and actually that's liked good. it, and I was like, oh, now I'm a jerk. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny, when you do indie films, it's like you never quite know no. if people saw your movie or think they saw your movie. I, I mean, right. just make sure you have a good trailer, and then that's that. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you know? did he name all the trailer moments? No, because we, we didn't even, I hadn't sent, my managers haven't seen my trailer to my knowledge. Maybe they do. I don't know. Hmm. We're meeting with them next week. We're having drinks. There's yeah. a lot to catch up on. Yeah. So so walk us through that, actually. So you've got new representation. Like, that's mm-hmm. a great big step. Like, in two years, that's phenomenal, right? Yeah. You think, think yes, it is. I'm, <laughs> it I'm is. being positive. It is. It is. It 100% <laughs> That's a new year. New yeah. me. But yeah. also, it's, like, nice to kind of start the year with, like, True. Yeah. I have like a, you know, six meetings already next week. It's yeah. just like Are you a, serious? Yeah. Oh, with whom? Paramount, Sony, Original Films, Blumhouse. Never Go heard of any it. of these people. Yeah. You know, what's cool about Corinne is uh, she's a, I love my manager. She, and also she worked with like an, another guy who's one of the partners at this company because it's not huge. It's like a mid-level one. And he also kind of reps. So, so they both are setting me up on meetings. And he's like, you know, middle-aged white guy. And she's like early 30s. But she worked at Bad Robot. So she ha- she came from a different... She Got didn't it. come up on a desk or whatever. She she had she worked in development. Got and it. at Film Nation, I think. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah so she has just like a different kind of cool background. By the way, for our listeners that don't know what coming up on a desk means... Thank it's, you. It's um, confusing. So if you work for an agency, a big agency, a CAA, UTA, one of those, you can... The kind of traditional old school way Gersh. to do it, Gersh, <laughs> you... Uh, you know, you can start in the mailroom and like literally uh, be like a floater, like some agent needs an assistant. L- literally everyone starts in the mailroom. Like you could be like, oh, I have a degree from Harvard Law and you start mm-hmm. in the mailroom. Really? There's no way to start There's on no a desk you start, you start or as a floater in the mailroom. I thought you could start on what a desk. What if like your uncle no, you, is like an agent? You, you can't start, be there. You start in the mailroom. You get moved up fast, but like oh. everybody starts in the mailroom. That's my understanding at least. Maybe so so everyone be, can say, I started in the mailroom. Yeah. Because like, oh. yeah. you, that's the and way they, you learn now they have emails and stuff like that. Uh Thank God. Yeah, right. Everyone has like a master's degree. A female room. It's a, it's a, There's oh, a female pun. room. Oh, okay. It's a pun, guys. It's waka, waka, waka. A... Oh, I get it. Yeah, Male yeah. room, female room. It went over my head, too. Um, well, not surprised. <laughs> um, <laughs> what else is new? But yeah, I, I want to say, I don't fucking actually know. So I don't want to misspeak, but most people start in the mail room. And so they mm-hmm. so they work, somehow they get to onto a desk and there's someone's assistant and they meet everyone because yeah. they are fielding all the phone calls. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's training of like how you're meant to act as an agent mm-hmm. and like how deals are made. You're listening in on every single phone call. So it's a really specific boot camp, basically. And then. But it is a real businessy side of Hollywood. Yeah. So yeah. I don't know of a lot of directors that have kind of come up through the agency yeah. desks. Um, I mean, I mean they're, they're, they're you eat have, a lot of shit. You Actually, my friend shit. Minhal, who you should also have on the show, but she uh, she just made her second feature through Will Smith's production company. I think it's like one or two million dollars. It's like a pretty big, jo- you know. 
Cool. And she worked at ICM, I think, too. Oh, okay. interesting. But it was it's kind of different. But she knows a lot of people. She like sure. worked that network. And and you just you understand in a way that mm-hmm. we don't get. You know, like I'm still learning. Yeah, I'm like, what? We I, honestly, I don't think I'll ever know. No. You know, like I'll just be like, oh well, I wore blue to CAA, and apparently that's a no no. You know? Yeah, like, <laughs> I think it took me like five years in LA to know what rolling calls meant. Yeah, like, I, I hear people <laughs> say that all the time. <laughs> Um, and I have no idea what they're referring to. I'm glad that you do say that kind of stuff on the show because I've listened and I, when you take a moment to explain things because I didn't know till I lived here and I kind of wish I would have known some of these things. Like I just didn't know what rolling calls was yeah, either. Sure. So rolling calls is when, stop me if I'm misquoting this or misexplaining this, but my understanding is basically like, oh, someone just slots out a little bit of time, an executive or an agent and says, okay, like they've got the list of people that they owe a call to. So they're just going to go ahead and go down the list and their assistant is going to just like dial people and they're just going to like, you know, jukebox through all of the calls basically. Yeah. Something that is so weird to me still to this day is like, I'll be on the phone with Jacob, my manager who has been on the podcast and we'll talk. We'll be like, how are the kids doing? Went on this trip. This was funny. Oh my God, my kid got sick. Like this and that. Yes. I'm writing this thing. I, anyway, you know, what time do you think uh, I should have that, like, email to you by? And then Jacob will say, like, Josh, what time uh, did we tell yeah, him about yeah. uh-huh. you'll be, like, wait, what? be like, Josh, <laughs> you're on the line? <laughs> yeah, I know. Like, yeah. And uh, I literally, weird. like, Shout probably five times have been like, is Josh on the line every time we talk? Because he's calling. Yes. It yeah. looks like it's coming from but his cell phone. But they never say anything. So <laughs> yeah, it's so yeah. weird. But yeah, like, her assistant is Andrew. And she's like, Andrew, can you write that down? And I'm like, I was saying some personal stuff there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. Uh, anyway, I always be nice to the assistants. Right? Oh, I'm so nice to them. They probably think I'm like no, phony like or it. something. Because they they get shit on too much. You know, like they're the first ones there, they're the last ones to leave. They have to they're go so do nice. drinks and stuff as well. Most of them aren't going to get to be an agent. Like, <laughs> like it just breaks my heart. Sad over but, here. I, it was just so hard. Look, we no, because they get a glimpse at what it's like to be an agent, that's and they decide true. if that's the type of person they want to be. But the the heartbreaking one is when someone thinks they want to be an agent, and either the opportunities doesn't arise, right? Because there's only so many slots, right? Like, there's literally only so many desks, and so like even getting out of the mailroom is a it's a lot of like luck because somebody that spot has to open up right but then agencies have a very specific culture and each like from each agency it's very specific Mm -hmm. and like most people aren't cut from that cloth thank god i mean yeah 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 Yeah. they're hardcore they're They're like hardcore they're not when i was younger i thought that they were people who took advantage of artists or or you know you think of like a bloodsucker right and they are uh sharks they are really capable of sensing opportunity and leaping on it they're no nonsense um but they also love movies that's mm-hmm. the weird combination of like oh they love supporting artists and helping artists and yes also making money for artists hey we like making money too sure yeah. and we are bad at it yes that's why we need them like if i was yes. if i had a legal degree i'd still be like it's fine you know, yeah. like, yeah. I don't really think of them as taking advantage of artists, but they're I think, not. Yeah, but I think their position requires them to be result oriented. Mm-hmm. And if an artist that they work with hasn't, you know, provided any results in a year, they'll probably spend a lot, le- a lot less time on them the second year, and then they'll drop them the third year. Right. So what you're saying is, I have eight more months. No, you probably you're- have like a year and a half. 
Yeah, you're in the honeymoon spot too. Mm-hmm. Like r- right now, like all of those meetings that are getting set up, they're excited for you and like. Yeah, it's cool. And those are know. good meetings. I mean, I've had a couple. I had a good great meetings, meeting but at not Disney. Like, if they've been sending me, I think it's because this, like, maybe because she worked in development. I don't know. I think there's that, and I think that there's people want people like you to be directing stuff. I have been meeting with a lot of women, unsurprisingly, and yeah. it has actually been pretty heartening to see women like junior execs or like kind of sure. mid-level execs who are like dying to tell women stories and people of color stories and i'm like thank you like for fighting for us yeah you know there's not that many but the ones that are there are like fighting tooth and nail and yeah. i am very excited about that it's like perfect timing for you right like you're ready i think in 10 years it'd be even better no i know i'm you're thank you yeah no you're ready you're totally ready like You'll jump. You'll have a TV show so soon. I hope so. Uh, My mother yeah. is very worried. <laughs> <laughs> well, tell her to Carla's mom. Tell her to relax, okay? Carlin's She's doing like, I'm just worried. You want have time to have G, a family, great. and I'm like, let's just yeah, pump yeah. the brakes. You got it. Family is y'all right. Overrated. <laughs> no, oh. tell her to listen to this, this podcast. She doesn't know you what a podcast it. is. Yeah, she lives no. in Seguin, Texas. Yeah. Internet That's, podcasts. That is offensive. <laughs> um, what did? How did your Disney meeting go? What did you say to them? Did you pitch them any ideas? I I did pitch them a couple ideas and then I forgot sort of what uh, how specific the Disney brand is. Oh, I was right. like, oh yeah, they're not interested in my sex ed story, right? <laughs> it's yeah. Disney. Uh, but what's cool about Disney is like they have all these properties, right? Yeah, so like they're Fox. Pretty, yeah. Oh, oh right, like <laughs> Fox. Um, so they're pretty open to hearing like different takes on. Things. And I also pointed out a few characters that I love that I was like, I want to make an Ursula movie who's a drag queen. Again, mm-hmm. not exactly sure, the Disney sure. brand. But um, but they know that also. They They're like, that. yeah, that's a cool idea. We wish we could do that. Yeah. We like Carlin. And you I have some I mean? friends who have done Disney stuff. So that's kind of cool. Because like my friend David Lowry is one of their like favorite directors. And mm-hmm. so they're like, oh, you know, Dave. So are you interviewing to pitch specific new IP or it's just a general that was a general yeah but what's cool about Disney I don't know if other studios do this but they have they bring in writers for like these round tables Mm -hmm. so they sometimes I I feel like my managers are positioning me to like be up for those jobs because you get paid really well Mm -hmm. to come in for a day or two and pitch ideas on existing scripts Mm -hmm. which is a cool way I think to like get in the room more yeah that's interesting and get paid yeah yeah I know some people uh are a little more antagonistic towards those round tables. But also, like, yeah, Carlin is shrugging. I'm shrugging along as well. I don't know. I mean, yeah, this was towards, this was from the Disney exec's point of view. So, of course, she thinks it's a great opportunity. Well, I think it's, it's cool. I've done that in advertising too, like where we will bring like 10 Mm -hmm. young, interesting people in and be like, hey, we have to come up with like a way to make whatever antacids cool. Like, Let's what you know. Let's do it. Yeah, yeah. and acid rap song, whatever. I also like she was like, we also have great lunch, sometimes sushi, and I was like, you get sushi for <laughs> yeah, lunch. Yeah. The commissary over at Disney is pretty nice too, actually. It's just cool. Just it's like, like it. I guess the cool thing about you know all this and going on meetings is like just walking, just having your name on. I, I know we've all been like we've been like uh, meetings on the lots and stuff, but like to have your name on a list. Sure. And oh, it just feels to good. Go, yeah, and you see the posters, and you're like. I'm yeah, here. Yeah. Like this is where movies are yes, made. Yes, I would like a bottle of water. Yes, I would like a cap. You have a cappuccino machine. Okay. Um, I'll take one of those. Thank you. you know? Yeah. So if you're listening to this podcast and you want to get onto the Paramount lot, just go there next week and tell them your name is Carlin Hudson, <laughs> and uh, they should let you in. That's right. 
Wow. They're like, oh, come on. Oh, Miss Hudson, we're so happy to see <laughs> so you. Welcome. Come on in. Yes. <laughs> so, so let's talk about trajectory a little bit, right? So have you had the chance to sit down with your team and like say, this is what we want 2018 to be? Or is that forthcoming? That's, that's on the, seventh, the 16th. Yeah, because I have like a series that, you know, uh, the one that I talked about. The distance, long distance one. Yeah, which is done now. But we want to find like a, hopefully find a partner to release that with us. Because mm-hmm. it's like a. Honestly, it's really good. We've been having test screenings, and um, it's just exciting to direct things or direct to direct something. You're like, oh shit, I would watch this. Yeah. You know, which like I have directed things that I wouldn't necessarily watch, but this sure, one feels sure. like, oh wow, this is good. Well, and even new. like, oh, this is a good commercial, but who wants to watch right, commercials? Right. Right. But this feels like a couple of the episodes. I was like, oh, I'm just so proud of them. Yeah. And so helping them make a plan for that, and then like. I'm writing a couple features right now and just, you know, that kind of stuff. So what, um, when you sit down with them, what's, uh, what's the top of the list? What do you want? I don't know. What do I, I, yeah. I want to, I, so I need, that's a hard question, right? Yeah. yeah. It's funny. This past year was one of my slowest financial directing years. Mm-hmm. So part of me thought that like this year I was like, I'm going to make more money this year, but actually I'm like, that's not really my goal anymore. I want to keep making stuff that I care about and keep developing my own work because I don't have control over who hires me to direct. Right. But I do have control over what I can write and develop. And so that feels like a goal to me. Right. But is there like any focus where you're like, I'm going to write something that feels like an HBO show so that I can get a job directing an HBO show? No, but there is a movie that I'm in the, I'm writing with my boyfriend who's also a comedy writer um, that feels pretty commercial and would certainly be it's a commercial comedy uh and that's kind of exciting because it feels like we could maybe sell this we could maybe i mean i'd love to direct it but i don't know that one feels more like a could be a more of a sample for bigger bigger budget projects perhaps right so there isn't like a clear i'm gonna do this make this and get this job type of no like i guess if you want to have that I, I I do, but it changes like every single day. <laughs> right, that's the problem. The the thing to think about though is you you're the overall point of like yo directing is hard. We all know that, right? Like that's the thing that we've all taken on. And so, looking at this new year, what are the next steps? What are the things to do to create your own future and create mm-hmm. your own career and curate your own career? I think for me, it's got to be a feature this year basically because like you know no number of great digital series or like awesome short films are gonna break through basically like they i mean they will to a small extent Mm -hmm. but like not having a feature is just such a huge part of the puzzle that it's like yeah it's it would be foolish to be like why isn't thing aren't things you know getting better and without one basically like we've talked about i mean i my feature i feel like most people actually don't watch it but just the fact that i've made one checks a box and i've made a feature and moving on yeah totally so yeah that's the thing that i'm focusing on this year which is funny because i feel like all of my scripted series are like going great basically (laughs) Mm -hmm. the ones you're pitching yeah yeah Yeah. because that's you know people are buying that stuff right now i wish that i wanted to write more of those and i will but i just am like in this like love affair with features at the moment and having so much fun writing them I mean, it's, it's, that's wonderful. And it's weird because, you know, we all are of the age where growing up, like nobody wanted to make TV because TV was very bad. Uh-huh. 
like the Sopranos came out when like we were in high school ish, give or take. I don't know. I wasn't even, I didn't have HBO. I wasn't watching it. Right. So like that's kind of the beginning of good television before that. It was kind of like, well, of course you want to make movies because you want to make good art. Yeah. Right. And I feel like basically since college have wired my story skills to be more serialized. And so for the first time in kind of a while, I'm like, oh, I need to like, Mm-hmm. Tell one story, not five seasons. Hmm. I think I'm kind of more with Carlin, where I feel like the feature, it's you have like a three acts, and you know, beginning, middle, and end. And, and I mean, whatever we talked about this already, but there's a billion resources that are like this is how you structure a feature, but there's like no real resources of like how you structure your TV show, you know, because you're trying to structure. An amazing yeah. pilot where you teach everyone everything in like half an hour and do an example of an episode. And you're also trying to structure an entire season that should very much solve some mystery, answer questions, but also be open-ended. Yeah. So you can have more seasons, whether it's one se- more season or seven more seasons, you have to be ready for both. I think you've yeah. seen it. There was a time when you would make this awesome short film and based on just your directing of that short film, you can get an episode of TV or something. I think now that short film, hopefully you can turn it into a feature or a TV show. Like that, that, that there's some value in the content beyond just who directed it. It's easier to make a short film. Like mm-hmm. we've all seen so many awesome short films and you don't have to go to a film festival to see them anymore or like have an agent send them to you. Like you just Vimeo.com and you're looking at, an infinite number of incredible short films. So you just have to stand out in additional ways, which, yeah. you know, I think has been the thesis of the show, right? It's not just, just shoot it, but like just, just shoot it. something awesome. <laughs> well, <laughs> don't, I, I no, I, I mean, <laughs> no, I would disagree with Matt on that. No, to man. Me, to me, it's making stuff is more important than worrying about how good it is. Yeah, that's true. But what I'm saying is that you ha- it has to be, awesome well if it's not then make another thing that, yeah that, that, yeah true and, but, and it, but to create your own opportunities i'm saying like it's got to be it's got to be a show that carlin is super proud of you know mm-hmm. what i mean like that's the thing that's the thing that breaks you and that's the thing that like everybody here and everyone on the show basically continues to benefit from is the the awesome awesome things that you make your point is like if you're precious about it you're never going to make the awesome thing because you don't have enough practice right or craft to get even close yeah i mean it's a robert rodriguez thing right where he's like i made a hundred short films before i made desperado mm-hmm. or you know malcolm gladwell the ten thousand hours thing it's like sure making things is the practice it's like writing it's like right everyone's like if you want to be a writer right so it's it's that and with directing you know filmmaking it's the same thing like you can't just dream of being a filmmaker you have to make films well, uh, Carlin, it sounds like you have a lot of awesome things going on. It's really interesting. Year two, you have like a textbook year two, right? Oh, really? Well, I mean, a, a dream one, right? Like getting oh. good representation, like working a decent amount. And now you're like at the precipice of like the next chapter. Mm-hmm. Things were a little foggy in terms of like specifics of what you want. But mm-hmm. like up is the direction, right? Yeah, I think, I mean, if my, my long, my like long-term goals are pretty clear, I think Mm -hmm. it's directing TV, writing and directing my own features and TV, you know, that's it. I'm sure that's all three of our goals. If those are the goals, like, would you still do commercial stuff? Nah, I I didn't do much commercial stuff this past year. So you're not, I only did two. You're not like pursuing that in any way. I am because I need to 
pay the bills and before I direct TV, you know. I, but what's cool, I mean, what's so different about the L.A. market is that these digital series that y'all been doing that I've been up for, like, they don't exist in Austin. Austin has rooster teeth. Mm-hmm. That's it. They don't hire women. Hope they're listening. Yeah, they need to change I, that. I work for them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, Sorry. Well, you're the right, but you also have the right, like, resume for them. You're probably too good for them, but um, clearly I love that company. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but anyway, so they did, it's just a different market, so... I like being here too because I would rather direct a narrative digital series than a commercial. Mm-hmm. I mean, I like doing commercial stuff, but um, I never really quite like. I needed if I want to really do commercials, I have to hone in on like the exact thing that I do, like the genre. And, yeah, and I'm right. a little too broad right now. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's interesting. Like, I feel like doing the show has helped me realize, like, oh, I mm-hmm. do, do like dialogue driven comedy. Yep. Yeah, and because Matt and I have been up for a lot of the same jobs yeah you have to specify a little bit i have like worked over the past few years to figure out like on when you would hire matt versus when you would hire me um and i do think i yeah if it's like a comedy dialogue thing i feel like you go to matt even though that's like the genre that i work in also but to me if it's like a little more more like action yeah action comedy or Mm -hmm. just a little more to me, like the worst thing is like a two shot and like two overs, you know. Yeah. So <laughs> maybe dialogue comedy isn't. No, but uh, but then there's like a Geico commercial or Edgar Wright style stuff. Not that Matt wouldn't do that, sure. you know, or not that I wouldn't do just like two guys in a living room talking about a football game or something. So, so I, don't, I don't think we're going to come to a conclusion yeah, sure, as to what all our goals are. But I think yeah. it's been a kind of interesting glimpse into a director that moved from a smaller market to L.A. and what you know your opportunities have been and meetings you've had i mean i could go on and on but i don't want to bore y'all i mean it's also like i have the opportunity since i'm a woman to be a part of all these uh programs yeah cool like the yeah i've and i was a finalist in five last year yeah five of the freaking diverse director things no three and then two grants um so i feel like this might be i might get one this year i feel like 2018 is gonna be the year that i get in one of these programs oh wow did you go for dww uh, yeah, I was a finalist in that too and didn't get it. I, you I'm didn't not... get it? I feel like you'd be like... Well, thank you. Um, it's my Were first you waitlisted year... or no? No, they only let seven to eight in. So so it's interesting. Like hundreds apply, I think 60-ish get to the second round and then I made it to the last round, which is 20-ish mm-hmm. and they pick seven to eight. Um, and you apply with a script? Yeah, with a short film script. Okay, so that's a big part of... I think so, but from what I hear... It's they... political. Well, not not only that, but I don't know anyone who's ever gotten in that didn't apply multiple times. Sorry, just to back up and remind listeners, DWW Directors uh, Workshop for Women. Um, I talked about it last year when I, there was I went to a screening. It's a great program, very prestigious, highly competitive it's through AFI. Through AFI, mm-hmm. it's um, tuition free. Tuition only- free. Yeah. Yeah, it's a year long program. You do a few workshops and like one month long workshop, and then you make a short film. Right. Pretty rad. It's super, pretty rad. I yeah, mean, I'll, I'll apply next year, and then I think if I don't get it next year, maybe I move on. Have you gone to the screenings? No, I'll go this year. Yeah, it's fun. It's, it's like, like getting into a preschool. You gotta like start smoothing with everyone. Involved. All about this yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's uh, of course it's political, and they also, you know, they want a diverse group of people, both in like age, race, whatever, sexual orientation, but they also need a diverse group of scripts and projects. Mm-hmm. So like, yeah. I apply with a comedy script. Maybe there's a bunch of who like who knows? Yeah. It was, it was, the interviews were tough. I mean, like I, I went out of there like, oh shit, I was, I was prepared, but I just didn't, 
It was, it was What's rough. like a tough question that you were asking? Well, they were just kind of like, they'd read through all your stuff and they'd be like, well, one woman, my worst one was a, she was like, yeah, I don't think this is interesting. <laughs> About your script? Yes. Oh my goodness. And I was like, why is this a test? <laughs> sure. What do I say What, what do I say to that? Yeah. Or no, not what? interesting. She said, I don't think this is, I said, I want to make this short because I think it's, un- it does have a really specific tone. It's a comedy, but it's like pretty dry and like butt stylized and it's just a unique sort of uh i thought <laughs> script and this woman was like yeah i don't see what's unique about it and i was like cool um yeah it's not for everyone nothing is for everyone you know we all have uh... yeah right. so there were some questions like that that i was just kind of like wow uh this person hated it the couple women really seemed to love the project um wow it was intense well i feel like yeah you will get Unless you get like a TV directing job before that, and then you don't have to worry about it. Yeah, Yeah. it's kind of a narrow window, also, right? Because like once you start working in the big time, you're not eligible anymore. Yeah, but I mean, it was interesting because I again like twenty ish make it to the last round, and I knew seven, eight women. I knew almost half of them because they were my peers. You know, I'm like, oh, there's this woman who was up against this job with me. Here's three other film vitals. That's like lady uh, feature director group. So it was, yeah. And also women who were like in their 40s and 50s. You know, it's like... Which is rad, I think. Yeah, which is rad. But it's also, it just goes to show everyone, especially women, you know, we're just so desperate for opportunity. And there's so, there are these little, there's these few with, you know, so you're just like all people who've made four features are up for these programs. Yeah. Um, Can I tell you when I interviewed at AFI, like the question that sideswiped me the most... (laughs) It's so dumb. But they just asked me what my favorite movie was. And I was like, yep. uh, not, don't say Fight Club. <laughs> no, it's okay to say Fight Club. Please uh, don't, no. Just make sure people don't say Fight Club. <laughs> it's okay. The listener should know not to say Fight Club. I, mean, yeah. I, I was like, well, there's so many, so many great movies out there. <laughs> well, there are. Yeah. I was like, I just saw this movie that I really liked, this Gus Van Zandt film, Elephant. And they're like, oh, do you know why it's called Elephant? And I was like, no. No. Is there an answer to that? <laughs> Um, and they're like, yeah, it's a re- it's based on this old like 1930s film or something called The Elephant that was about a um, story from different perspectives about an elephant or something. I was like, oh, how how would cool. a human being know that? <laughs> yeah, Read film. That's why I didn't need to go to. Well, I yeah, it's funny because those interviews. I I've been I've been doing all these generals, and I was like, right. I am great in a room. Like I can be relaxed, and then these people just like just extremely pointed questions, and I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, it's fun. You got to do like a few of those interviews to get good at them. Yeah. Know? Yeah. I feel like I'm always like, guys, can we get one of the crappier rooms first? Like, well, let's warm up a little bit. Yes. Like, don't put a big fish in the first lineup. Yes. That woman was the second person I talked to out of like nine. Yeah. I thought, hmm, this is going well. <laughs> what do you say when people ask you what your favorite movie is? Oh. In, in a room. Not not at a party, but like in the environment that Orange Depends what I'm talking to and what I'm pitching. Mm-hmm. That's the right answer, right? Okay, they so just like a, so there's like the film school people, which you kind of want to get a little in the weeds, sure. right? Like some you don't want to say Wonder Woman or whatever, right? Yeah. But then there's yeah Fox or something, right? That you're. I think it's okay to. to say not Wonder Woman because it's so recent. Mm-hmm. I think you could say like Election. Yeah, yeah. Straight. I love Election. I love Election. Um, okay, All well, right. questions. Yeah, let's get to yeah. some listener questions. We only uh, are going to do two. Mm-hmm. But they are voicemails. So here is the first question. Hello, this is Andy again. Um, on the last episode, you answered my question on screenwriting, and it was super helpful. 
Um, I had another question, if you don't mind me repeat asking questions. I'm in an interesting situation. I got my MFA in film directing, and then I got married to a guy in the Air Force, and he's super supportive, but we move around a lot. Um, the chances of us ending up in L.A. anytime soon is not exactly plausible. So I was wondering um, what recommendations you'd have for an indie filmmaker that's on the move, um, whether it be connecting with local people, wherever I go, they're into filmmaking, focusing mainly on screenwriting. Um, can you kind of screenwrite from anywhere, or do you have to start out in L.A. as a screenwriter, and then you can start from anywhere? So a lot to work with there, but um, if you have an answer for that or a direction, um, that would be awesome especially if I'm traveling internationally or wherever we're going to end up because that's military life. Um, yeah, thank you, and thanks for answering my question on the last show. It's a pretty good question, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not an easy answer. So thanks, Andy, for leaving us a voicemail. We love them. Two voicemails from Andy. Thank you, Win. most voicemails. Uh, but yeah, what what do you guys think? I think it's... Yeah, yeah but that's, that's tricky, right? I guess I, I don't really know enough about how long you're stationed at any given place. Do you guys know that? Like, I, I think, think it's, it's a couple of years, usually. Yeah, it depends probably... Depends on the military, perhaps? Yeah, that's... that's well, Air Force. Right. Air Force. Force. But, right. um, but I, I'm assuming it's different depending on your rank and what you do. Uh I guess just to randomly start answering questions uh, and take everything with a grain of salt because we're kind of guessing here a little bit. But I do think screenwriting you could do from anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's two parts to that. There's the, the writing of the screenplay and then there's the like getting it to people and meeting people and getting it read. Uh, I've met a lot of people that write not in L.A. and they'll come to L.A. for a week and try to set up a bunch of meetings. I think that's totally that totally works. In L.A., there's something easier about being a writer here because everyone's talking about writing all the time. Um, but there's it, that doesn't mean anything. I, I think you could you have all the resources you need anywhere in the world. Yeah, the, the act of writing isn't the hard part in this circumstance because you know you just need a laptop and you can do it wherever. It's getting read. That's the mm-hmm. hard part, right? Yeah, but you can do. I mean, obviously, you can do it remotely to some degree, and you can set up meetings. You can pitch people you can enter competitions i know it's controversial to some people but i think the good ones you know if you win like nickels or whatever austin Mm -hmm. like you people will read your stuff they don't care where you live you can email uh kate greeny at adaptive a log line and see if she's into it like there are avenues to do stuff remotely in terms of filmmaking i mean you know austin is not exactly a a tiny film market it's like probably in the top 10 in in the u.s mm-hmm. um but you know you can you can make stuff wherever you're at yeah if she's if she's sure. at a place say you're i mean i have a friend in, who's married to a, a guy in the navy and like they were in this kind of remote georgia town for two years but that's the kind of place where like you can get you can people to work movie. on your movie yeah. for you could probably get yeah. like a, a million free you extras shoot anywhere shoot in the most beautiful places yes um i uh, many years ago went on tour with Keith Urban as like a one of the camera operators uh, and it was like shocking so when you go on tour like with a band from like uh, venue to venue you know you have you're on a tour bus and you work during the day and you sleep in the tour bus and it drives you to the next venue while you're sleeping and then you wake up you like shower at the venue and you have the day off until the concert and I was always shocked that nobody that is on tour especially there's all these tech people and camera people and 
there's you're like in a community of like hundreds of people traveling together with like, like unlimited resources like why nobody set a tv show that takes place on a music tour you know because i had access to like the staples center like totally empty i could go anywhere and shoot anything and do anything like wow um, and backstage everywhere you know we were in wisconsin and we were in like nashville and we were everywhere um so i think if there is like a way that you could do a show that takes place you know on an air force base and you have soldiers and you have airplanes and you have houses you know there is a way to do that it's a big undertaking but you could do it, it depends on what kind of stuff you like if you like mm-hmm. kind of a doc style look you know you can kind of embrace that and getting a camera and a sound person is not that hard you can do it yourself um you know so i think there's opportunities that you know it's a little bit of an uphill battle the i also i mean well, that's such a unique situation that i'm like right from your mm-hmm. point of view and like right about your life because that's something that i i'm like what's that like yeah. You know? Yeah, I think I think that's right on. And I guess the thing that to me I feel like you should be making things as often as possible in those shifting environments because of the thing that I'm worried about for you Andy is like the having the relationships to get a thing read or rather not having them in a, a larger market makes things challenging and I don't want you to be held back by that, right? So like having an awesome short film or even a f- indie feature with this crazy sort of environment and point of view that Carlin's describing, like that's undeniable in a way that like it would be easy to, it's easy to ignore a script. So I feel like I, I my, my money's on go make it right. Yeah. As much as you can and, and show it to even people and email films. people and yeah. Yeah, go make a short film for sure. Because yeah. wherever you're going to be is going to be some somewhere more interesting than shooting on Sunset Boulevard to me. Yeah, yeah. no and, doubt. And yeah. don't yeah. try to make it feel like a Hollywood thing. Right. Make it feel as genuine yeah. to where it is. You know. As yeah, as you can. make a Florida project every three years. You right. know what I mean? Like Great for wherever film. you're living. Yeah. Um, there are four Air Force bases in California. San Diego so, is a big one, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's true. So, yeah, I mean, I San Diego has the best weather in the world. The other thing San Diego weather is incredible. Is, you know, maybe maybe sell that screenplay and then just convince your husband to move to California with you and he can <laughs> he can be an Air Force script consultant and He you could can. be like um Adam Driver. Yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah. He, he was in the military, yeah. Adam Driver. Yeah, I think it was Marie, I think he was a Marine. I think so, but I do not know for I'm sure. I'm not sure. That's but a, isn't that's that a guess. fascinating? He was yeah. like in the Marines. I imagine a lot of people were in the military, don't you think? But Adam, but I mean like a movie star? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I would think Darth so. Darth Vader like, Jr.? Yeah, I know who Adam Driver is. No. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought yeah. it was fun to call him Darth Vader I, I mean, Jr. back in the 50s, uh, every actor was sure, in the military. True. Gal Gadot? Just kidding. Everyone has to be in the military. <laughs> yeah, Gal Gadot? Right? Yeah. Anyway, okay, well, thanks, Andy. Hopefully Andy, good that was... Luck. Helpful in some way, but yeah, keep it. Let us know, uh, Andy. Also, if goes. you're trying to make money, I wonder, uh, Carly. I think you can speak to this best. It's hard to get in. the The thing you're worried about is like, oh, you're getting into a film community, and then all of a sudden you have to leave. Right? It takes a little bit of time to get that mojo working. Right? Um, but that being said, there are like small markets with commercial opportunities. You're if you were in Andy's position, do you think it's worth it to try and do commercial work on the side to make some scratch or? just focus on I would focus on developing yeah work I mean it depends what kind of if she wants to direct commercials then yeah 
It's actually that's something I totally didn't think about. But if you did want, if you are into that, and you made some regional commercials or just approached businesses, I mean, you know, um, Rhett and Link, they like got famous off their like local commercials they made. Oh yeah, it could be could be an interesting opportunity too. So yeah, take your limitations and turn them into your superpowers. Next question, <laughs> very similar to Andy's question. Here it goes. Hi, my name is Kip Adler, K-I-P-P Adler. I'm calling from Tel Aviv, actually. Um, and first of all, I really like your guys' podcast. Uh, I didn't go to film school. I'm learning a lot through it, listen to it. appreciate your guys' honesty. So anyway, yeah, like I said, I'm from Israel, um, and there's a really nice film scene here. The way it kind of works here is things are a bit more go with the flow. That's the Middle East, after all. But uh, yeah, I ended up getting a gig I'm directing documentaries for American television, and I have my own production company, uh, Madler Media. I do web commercials. I've done comedy sketches on my own stuff, all sorts of stuff. Um, so, yeah, so I've kind of done the avant-garde route. Um, and like I said, things are more free-flowing here, and I'm wondering, because uh, I'm planning on moving to America within a couple of years, uh, making moves, and I wanted to know, like, if you have any recommendations for how to properly build a portfolio or what exactly to do to get noticed there. Uh, I'm not sure if I'll end up in L.A. or New York or somewhere in between, uh, but definitely want to get jobs uh, you know, in the film industry or at the very least, uh, you know, marketing and commercials and things like that. Uh, just keep up what I'm doing now. So, yeah. Oh, and my, my I don't use Twitter so much, but my Instagram handle is at Kip Adler, K-I-P-P-A-D-L-E-R. I'm pretty active on Instagram and not on Twitter. Anyway, thanks a lot, guys. Appreciate it. So that was Kip Adler from Israel. I just want to do a quick shout out, <laughs> say that I am also from Israel, also from Tel Aviv. I lived there till I was five years old. Kip, your Instagram is dope. Uh, You're making uh, Oren look bad. Oh, man, you have a good Instagram. <laughs> it's pretty good. I've also been good. to your website that has cool things. What was interesting is there's some commercials on there, Madler, madlermedia.com that I think are like for American companies. But to me as an Israeli, they kind of look like they're shot in Israel. Because, you uh-huh. know, Israelis can kind of, they look like anyone. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's like just like little hints in the mm-hmm. set design and the looks of all the extras and stuff that you're like, oh, I think this was shot in Tel Aviv, even though it's for like <laughs> a Bay Area company. Huh. Um, anyway, but so Kip's question is a little different from Andy's in that he is planning on moving to the U.S., right? And he wants to know... What to do, how to prepare. Well, it's funny. I have a couple friends who had similar issues, basically, where I had a DP friend who had like a dope career in Dubai and then started in London, moved to Dubai, and then now is here in the States. And like his campaigns are awesome. Like all the biggest companies, it's like sports cars and Coke and everything, but it doesn't seem Western. And so, even though it's premium, premium stuff, right. he's found it's like it there's challenging. seven Lamborghinis in this shot. Yeah, yeah. Like in the U.S., we would only use one. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's on the nose. And so it's been it's been a an interesting challenge for him actually. Uh, and a buddy from who shot a while in Morocco as well. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah. I just this isn't uh, on an emotional level. I would say to Kip that. No matter where you come from, when you move to L.A. or New York, you're going to be new and it's going to be humbling. I've had a very humbling couple of years. And I uh, now looking back, I, I think it's been great for my personal growth. And it's been like, OK, this is what it's like to like kind of start from scratch and mm-hmm. have to hustle like I never had before. But um, to just be like kind to yourself and know that it takes time. 
Because it do, will take time. Yeah, for sure. I do wonder, like, based on very little I know about Kip, if New York might be a more interesting place to move to first. If he was more primarily interested in advertising, there is a big Israeli film community there and, you know, they're advertising based and they might, I think that it is a little bit more of a go with the flow attitude and it's also a way more fun and easy and accessible city to move to Mm -hmm. uh, when you are moving to a new city compared to LA. Um, I think if you want to work in narrative film, like LA is the place to go. Uh, But yeah, in terms of building portfolio, and we talked about this on the podcast before, but uh, what I've done is I just like find directors that I want to have their careers and I look at their portfolios and I try to see how they present themselves and, you know, see how I can take my work and present it in a similar way. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I, I wonder, you guys chime in on this one, but to me, the thing that I'm nervous about for Kip is that like, based off of my friend's experiences, you know, you want it to feel like, oh, it's it's of the place that... um you're shooting in right it's kind of the opposite of andy's problem andy gets to travel all over the world and like ideally gets to evoke those uh different locations in her filmmaking kip because he's specifically in one place that's not the states when you move to the states i'm worried that there will be a bias of like it not counting right so like what you're mm-hmm. saying it kind of you have to start from scratch so I, i've been racking my brain to think of like what are the things to do to a embrace being in Israel and like shooting cool stuff. Right. And then also making sure that you don't get pigeonholed as a quote unquote Israeli filmmaker. Do you know what I mean? Like that you get stuck just doing, I don't even know what that would be exactly, but like, yeah, I don't either. Oren. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't want to assume too much, but based on Kip's accent, he is American or sure. Canadian or something. That's not what I'm saying. And so I, I don't think his, sentiment or his even his like aesthetic is especially israeli i don't know I, but but from going to his website madler media it seems like a production company you know on the first page that you go to it says we'll make you know um hand-picked creative video boutique service all in your budget what we offer you know your brand deserves quality video it seems like it's not a director's website mm-hmm. it's a com- production company's website and if you want to bring the production company to the U.S. and your whole team, that might be easier, especially if you, like, attack, like, San Francisco tech sector or someplace that uh, is a little less competitive than, you know, Little Caesars commercials, 30-second TV commercials. If you want to come as a director, I would just make a totally new website and just have, like, your portfolio Mm -hmm. and just start, you know, trying to, to find gigs and maybe cutting your documentary stuff that you're shooting now into the 30 second or 60 second spots and like what we're saying like what i was saying about commercial directing is if he wants to do commercials then finding that one thing that he does really well and making Mm -hmm. a portfolio that like if he does car i don't know what he does but um whatever it is like honing in on that specific thing right well he said that he did like some documentary stuff for american Mm -hmm. companies so i know that stuff is super in demand right now production company i'm at they don't really have like a doc person and they Mm -hmm. They're looking yeah. yeah, and yeah, kind of like lifestyle. Actually, Carlin's done a good amount of that I stuff. I have done a lot of that stuff. But see, this is the thing. I do dialogue comedy, and I've done a lot of lifestyle mm-hmm. doc stuff. Yeah. Yeah. But his, looking at his website, he's done a lot of kind of tech 
tech company type things. Uh, I don't know if you guys know Sandwich Video. I think we've talked about them on the website, but or sorry, we think we've talked about them on the podcast. But they do a lot of that stuff. It, that might be a, a website to check out, Kip, to see. They're yeah. really successful um, to see kind of what they do and how they succeed here. But yeah, well, hopefully that was helpful in some way. Sometimes I feel like our listeners who are asking us questions are like, uh, you did not answer my question. <laughs> but uh, uh, but sorry, at least we discussed it, and it, they're all very valid questions. So I think that's cool. Well, before we leave, should we endorse some yeah, things for free? Right. Unpaid endorsements. Um, Do you guys read that uh, Ridley Scott interview that was making the rounds? He's made a few. Hasn't he done a few lately that have made the rounds? Um, Well, he didn't replace an entire actor in his movie like mm -hmm. over the course of a week. (laughs) And then the new actor is getting amazing reviews, which is kind of insane. Yeah. Yeah, that was wild. Vanity Fair had an interview with uh, Ridley Scott where they talk about, yeah, um, all the money in the world and also Blade Runner. Um, and just his career in general. And, um, you know, that dude makes a movie a year. Alien is basically my favorite movie of all time. He's and 83. He is, yeah. He's 83. And makes a mm-hmm. motherfucking movie a year faster than any other Hollywood director under budget wow. all the time. Yeah. And big visual effects, like yeah. spectacular wow. spectacles, the not big, like tiny movies. So the thing that's so delightful about this mo- this interview is that he does not give a fuck. He's just like really brazen and open about like the mistakes that he's made and like why he's good at what he is Hmm. or what he's good at. It's like, it's the combination of being 83 and also making a movie a year for the last couple decades. So it's like a real delight of a read. And also I think there's probably a, a good number of little nuggets to pull out of it. But he was like, yeah, Blade Runner's too long. I fucked it up. It was my fault and doesn't care. Huh? I mean, he cares because he wants to make good movies, but also is like a grandpa. Yeah, that's awesome. I will read it. Okay, this is dumb, (laughs) but I freaking love Southwest Airlines. Me too. I've been flying them all. I love Southwest Airlines. I'm like their biggest, sorry, you're obviously the best I second this record. I've been flying them all winter break. So uh, I was just in St. Louis a couple days ago, and I took an Uber ride from the house to the airport. And my Uber driver was telling me that he's coming out to L.A. And he's like, yeah, but the tickets were so expensive. It's like, how expensive? He's like, I don't know. It cost me like $380 for one way, but it was the only flight. And I have to fly through Phoenix, American Airlines. Oh, he was flying to San Francisco. And I was like, as he was talking, I was like looking it up on Southwest. I was like, of course you were. (laughs) um, You could have flown directly from here on that date on Southwest Airlines for $270. And luggage is free, by the way. American Airlines is like $50 or something. Or like $25 for your first luggage, $50 for your second. Um, And they gave you free snacks, too, and free drinks. And he got so upset. <laughs> he was so angry. He was driving like seven miles per hour on the freeway. I was like, okay, um, uh, if it's Southwest, I mean, the luggage is free. Oh, I um, love Southwest, yes. So the two big things, the free luggage, which everyone used to have. and The big one, changing your dates. Yes, you can change oh, your right? ticket yes, for free. For free. Yeah, they, if, they put yeah. the money in your account. So it's like, say I have a $350 ticket that I gotcha. don't use yeah, yeah. and cancel it. It's just in my account so I can use that credit for next time. Yeah, they also have a really good credit card and all, free yeah. fire mouth program. The thing that a lot of people hate, and my father-in-law, he's like six six or something, uh, um, yeah. is you. There's not assigned seats. Just pay fifteen dollars to get upgraded. That's what I do. You pay fifteen bucks. Oh, mm. that's the hard way. What I did is I had a child. 
you're traveling with a child under six, you get to board <gasps> right. at the latest between the A group and the B group. Mm-hmm. Or and I you know think what that, that means. Maybe having a child is a little harder than paying fifteen. Oh, it was pretty easy. <laughs> yeah, for you, you it was easy. Tell you how. Like, look, I just yeah. I'll tell you how it works later. Um, also, I interviewed. I did like some videos for Southwest. Oh, really? Years ago, like their corporate videos, and I interviewed like the CEO and like mm-hmm. whatever. And they were so nice. I just like oh. couldn't believe how nice they were. Do you like, know what their stock ticker is? No. On the Nasdaq, it's LUV. Yes. That's their, oh, that's oh. why it's like a LUV like love voucher, and that's so funny. They were oh. just so nice, and they were they just were so like humble and like shook my hand. Thank you so much for coming. It was just I was just so charmed and thought. This is this was already my airline, but now I'm really sold. And a lot of times, yeah. like the flight attendants will like the make comedy jokes routines. And stuff. Yeah. I don't like that. Okay, that <laughs> made me. <neither. laughs> I dislike that actually. The, yeah, that yeah. is uh, those videos online. It's too. funny. Yeah. I liked them when I was like single, just traveling alone. But when it's like with my whole family and like babies screaming and everything, you're like, okay, yeah, yeah. yes, we know it's not your fault. It's the asphalt. Okay, we get it. Like many times. I haven't I heard that one. <laughs> That's well. funny. <laughs> um, Colin, you're a uh, Okay, Carlin, what have you I been liking lately? I was not prepared. My first thought was the stupid, even stupider that was. I got an, an Alexa for Christmas. Oh, yes. oh, yeah. oh, I've been meaning to buy one. An Echo, right? An Echo, but you say Alexa. Yeah, yeah. Obviously. Um, I say Alexa. I just love it because I wake up, you know, and I like to listen to KCRW or like sure. NPR in the morning. So I can just, while I'm making coffee, can say Alexa play kcrw and it starts playing and have you done the flash briefing no flash briefing it may be a little redundant for you but it's like here's like you've got like five minutes you're making coffee and just gives you the rundown of like oh, here's the top excellent. news of the day and the weather that is um, amazing. yeah matt's yeah, like a good. big okay that, that is the thing awesome. i need for that's it I also, and setting kitchen timers me i was just about to say i cook a lot and i set a lot of timers yeah yeah you're doing the dishes well, or whatever it's like when i was in st louis i was hanging out with like this family's kids uh, like a three-year-old and a seven-year-old or something and i was like hey maddie like can you like blast some music in here or something and she's like yeah alexa play taylor swift <laughs> and it just like played yeah. taylor swift it was oh, like around a child yeah oh, oh my three-year-old niece just goes Alexa she's like <laughs> yeah. Lex. she doesn't recognize it because she can't really say it totally but it's that's I with kids I may not have one yeah I've they, yeah. oh I think it's awesome it's like they can like order things until yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah or they figure out how to play we didn't have 40 Americans for Christmas over and over dolls. and over again oh this would happen to you yeah yeah <laughs> It's very cute for me. Those parents were like, Christmas is over. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> well, anyway, yeah. sorry you guys hate children. Not sure if anyone's heard of the Amazon Echo. I'm so glad I recommended this. <laughs> no, but it Putting is. Putting it in the kitchen is a pro tip, though. It's the kitchen yeah, yeah. That, where yeah. it's really, God, I love it. And you know that if you buy the, like, um, the, like dots. the dots, you can drop in on another room. So if you have a family hey, with yeah. children, you can put, like, the dot in their room and you can, like, Use it as an intercom system. I went a what? little crazy, and I have two. My apartment is not big enough that I need two. And they, I'm actually uh, a little disappointed with the way that they interface with each other. Because mm-hmm. you think you think you set a timer on one, and it, the other one's going to get it, or like you, they don't they don't play as well together as you'd think they would. Actually. And can you? I heard you can play music like on all of them, like the same song, like, like throughout the, the house system or something. I, I yeah. don't know that. I don't know. I've never done that before. Yeah. I, it's kind of like you have two, for me at least, I haven't done a good job maybe of networking them, but it feels like, oh, there's just two different 
stupid machines that <laughs> somehow you know. we have a sonos a google home and now a echo oh you have a google home too a small one does your Sonos have Alexa built in? I don't know. It's just, we just, we got them all for free. You know, my boyfriend yeah. and I just like, it's a, sort of a mess. We Wait, gotta... what do you guys steal them? What do you mean? Yeah, no. <laughs> you're like, you know, my boyfriend and I, we got, we get them Carlin, for free. Carlin, uh, your main tip, be a cat burglar. Yes. That is how you Be a cat burglar. <laughs> Wait, how'd you get him for free? Because he works at a marketing place and like they always have like end of the year mm. stuff to give away and last year was a Sonos and this year it was a Google Home. <laughs> wow. But I wanted the I'm Echo. dating the wrong like person. That, how'd you like that Sonos? Um, I like it. Yeah. It what, sounds better than the Echo yeah. for sure. Yeah, yeah. But you can't talk to it. That's no, true. No, but they have a Sonos. So the Echo is like a hundred bucks, but you can get a, the Sonos one. It's two hundred bucks and it's got Alexa built in. That's what our friends had. System is a lot. I regret this recommendation. <laughs> anyway, if we want to find out what you're up to, should we visit your website? Just call me, I think. What's your phone number? <laughs> we'll put it in the show notes. Um, I really need to update my website, but uh, you're on Twitter. Ish. Yes, I have a Twitter handle. Uh, hey Carlin. Cool. C A R L Y N. Yes, and then inst- I think Instagram probably is good. Carlin Hudson is my. Instagram cool. handle. You know, I love an Instagram handle that has no underscore in it. Mm-hmm. Um, no offense. Or my website is carlinhudson.com. There you go. Cool. Well, you can find out more about the show at justshootitpod.com. You can see the show notes for this episode. Uh, you can find out what Matt and I have been up to. You can follow us on Instagram, on Twitter. We would love if you like our Facebook page. It's Just Shoot It Podcast. Um, leave us a voicemail at one two six two six shoot one you know, send us an email, just shoot a pod at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Leave us an iTunes review. Sorry we're asking for so much. I guess the most important thing would be the iTunes review. iTunes review. You guys are uh, really pushing those iTunes reviews. <laughs> are we pushing them too hard? I don't know. It is the biggest thing. It is the huh. way to push it is the, the way. Yeah. yeah. And guess what our listeners are. They're, they're, they're not they're that responding. great at reading them. Oh, they're not? <laughs> We've had a few. But Come on, guys. We'd like more. Help us out. Um, and yeah, like that's the it. NPR plot trip. Uh, this episode was edited by Jay McCullough. And our webmaster is Ewan Williams. Music was provided by the Free Music Archive and the artist Jazar. Bye. Thanks, guys. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mm. Mm. 